Ave Maria Purissima, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Late one spring in 1908, after having finally finished hearing the confessions at a mission he was preaching in English parish, an Irish Jesuit by the name of Father William Doyle was walking back to his quarters when he ran into a young woman walking the street. Father Doyle stopped her and asked, My child, aren't you out very late? Won't you go home? Then he paused and added very kindly, Don't hurt Jesus. He loves you. And then he went on his way. Two years later, Father Doyle had just finished preaching a retreat near Dublin when a superior telegrammed him and ordered him to catch the boat that very night to England in order to make a morning meeting with the governor of a British prison concerning a very urgent matter. The next morning, when Father reached the prison, the governor thanked him. Quote, It is good of you, sir, to come all this way at such a short notice. A woman has been asking of you earnestly, and it will comfort her to see you. But the whole thing is a mystery to me, said Father Doyle. Who is this woman, and why does she want to see me? Her name is Fanny Cranbush. She is a girl of the unfortunate class who was convicted for her part in that poisoning case you may have seen in the papers. After a trial, she was asked if she would like to see some minister of religion. She said she had no religion and no need of a minister. A few days ago, however, she had said she had changed her mind and would like to see a certain priest. What is his name? I asked. I don't know, she replied. Well, where does he live? I don't know, she replied. But how can I get you a priest whose name and address you don't know? All I can tell you is that this priest was in Yarmouth about two years ago. I was told he was from Ireland and he was giving something called a mission in a church there. For God's sake, get him for me, she replied. I'll do my best, I replied, and got into communication with the police in Yarmouth. At the Jesuit church, the police were informed that if Father William Doyle from Dublin had given a mission there a couple of years previously. A telegram was sent to your superior, and here you are. I'll take you to her. There are still some hours yet before the execution takes place. And if you wish, you may stay with her until the end. Father Doyle was taken to a cell, and there on the edge of a cot with her head bowed, said a twenty-some-year-old girl. Oh, Father, thank God you've come. I'm glad I've come. And now you must tell me why you've sent for me. Have we ever met before? Yes, Father, but of course you don't remember. Two years ago, you stopped me in the street one night in Yarmouth. I was a bad girl, have been all my life, and was out on my work of sin. You said to me, my child, aren't you out very late? Won't you go home? Don't hurt Jesus. He loves you. You said this so gently, so appealingly, and then you gave me a look that seemed to go right through me. I remember now, said Father Doyle. Your look and your words stunned me. I actually turned back and went home in a dazed state. All that night I lay awake. The words, don't hurt Jesus, he loves you, kept ringing my ears. Had I hurt Jesus? Did he love me? Who was he? I knew so little about him. I had almost no schooling and even less religion. I'd never prayed. I'd never been baptized. Yet, don't hurt Jesus, he loves you, seemed to find an echo in my heart. I saw you once again, Father, after that night. I was with another girl, and you passed on the other side of the street. Who is that? I asked. 
I hear he's from Ireland and is giving a mission or something here, she replied. For weeks after that, I kept off the streets, but then want and hunger drove me out again. I sank lower and lower until now I'm to be hanged. I came here hard and defied and unrepentant. Then one day your words came back to me. Don't hurt Jesus, he loves you. Something seemed to snap within me and I began to cry. There came a great longing to see you and to learn more about Jesus. Now that you've come, won't you tell me more about him? Won't you set my feet on the road that leads to him? Father Doyle asked, Does this mean you wish to know about the one true faith that you want to become a Catholic? Yes, Father, I do with all my heart. The essentials were quickly explained and drunk in with eagerness by a soul that thirsted for the truth. Then the waters of baptism were poured upon her head. And all her wicked past was washed away. There wasn't much time. Father Doyle hurried away, got the necessary permissions and material for saying Mass. A tiny altar was erected in her cell, and family heard her first and last Mass. And received her God for the first and last time. She refused the breakfast offered her with a smiling thanks. She said, I've just eaten the bread of life. As she walked to the scaffold with Father Doyle beside her, she whispered, I'm so happy, Father. Jesus knows that I'm sorry for having hurt him, and I know that Jesus loves me. A moment later, Fanny Cranbush, with her baptismal rose unspotted, was in the arms of Jesus. I'm so happy, Father. Jesus knows that I'm sorry for having hurt him, and I know that Jesus loves me. There's a lot of lessons we can draw from the story of her hanging, lots of them. This morning we only have time to briefly consider four, and so we'll just have to leave the rest for you to mull over. First, I'll bet there's not a lot of people praying to Fanny Cranbush. Prayed her, asked her to intercede with Father Doyle, who has tons of miracles, and the Sacred Heart for the conversion of one-year desperate cases. You'll see. Second, obviously, it's a story about the love of God. The love of God for a sinner. The astonishing reality that God actually loves sinners. Sinners like you and I. He actually loves us. Think about that during the line in the creed. Qui propionos homines, et propionos himsatim, de For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. For us sinful men, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He loves us, he died for us, and so often we show him our gratitude by sinning. After all, what did our Lord say as he held out his sacred heart to St. Margaret Mary? Behold the heart 
that has loved man so uh, much and been loved so little in return. What do we see when we look at an image of the Sacred Heart? The Lord's Sacred Heart pierced droplets of His precious blood, crowned with thorns, surmounted by a cross, and surrounded by flames. Why? Because He's burning with love for us. He loves us so much. His heart is so inflamed with love with us that it's incandescent. And we see His wounds. Those wounds. Even though He raised Himself up from the dead, He didn't heal those great wounds. He kept them. Why? Because He loves us. He kept those scars out of love. Those are His battle scars. His battle scars of love that He shows to His Heavenly Father. And Jesus holds up those wounds before the Heavenly Father to constantly remind His Father how much He loves us. And each one of us can honestly say, that if we were the only, out of the billions and billions of men that have ever lived, if I were the only man that had ever sinned, if I were the only sinner, he still, he loves me so much that he would have still come down to earth and gone through all those terrible sufferings and that death on the cross. He would have still done all that for me, even if I were the only sinner that ever lived. Each one of us can say that if I were the only sinner, He would have gone through all that for me. So one of the things we can see in the story of the hanging of Fanny Cranbush is the love of the Sacred Heart for a sinner. Third, another point worth pondering is the instrument which God chose to bring His love to this condemned woman. We should ponder the absolute importance of Father Doyle, the priest, as an instrument of God's love. In that regard, We'll briefly ponder some of the beautiful words from our beloved Pope Benedict's letter announcing the year of the priest. Quote, The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus, the saintly curie of ours would often say. This touching expression makes us reflect, first of all, with heartfelt gratitude on the immense gift which priests represent, not only for the church, but also for humanity itself. Here the teaching example of St. John Mary Vianney can serve as a significant point of reference for us all. The curie of ours was quite humble. It is a priest who is conscious of being an immense gift to his people. A good shepherd, a pastor after God's heart, is the greatest treasure which the good Lord can grant to a parish, one of the most precious gifts of divine mercy. He spoke of the priesthood as if incapable of fathoming the grandeur of the gift and task entrusted to a human creature. Oh, how great is the priest. If we realized what he is, he would die. God obeys him. He utters a few words, and the Lord descends from heaven at his voice to be contained within a small host. Explain to his parishioners the importance of the sacraments, he would say, Without the sacrament of holy orders, we would not have the Lord. Who put him there in the tabernacle? The priest. Who welcomed your soul at the beginning of your life? The priest. Who feeds your soul and gives it strength for the journey? The priest. Who would prepare it to appear before God, bathing it one last time in the blood of Jesus Christ? The priest. Always the priest. And if this soul shall happen to die as a result of sin, who will raise it up? Who will restore its call and peace? Again, the priest. After God, the priest is everything. Only in heaven will he fully realize what he is. These words welling up from the priestly heart of the holy pastor might sound excessive. 
yet they reveal the high esteem in which he held the sacrament of the priesthood. He seemed overwhelmed by a boundless sense of responsibility. Were we to fully realize what a priest is on earth, we would die, not of fright, but of love. Without the priest, the passion and death of our Lord would be of no avail. It is the priest who continues the work of redemption on earth. What use would be a house filled with gold were there no one to open its door? The priest holds the key to the treasures of heaven. It is he who opens the door. He is the steward of the good Lord, the administrator of his goods. Leave a parish for 20 years without a priest, and they will end by worshiping the beast there. The priest is not a priest for himself. He is a priest for you. Close quote. Benedict Sixteenth. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. Without the priest, the passion and death of our Lord would be of no avail. It's the priest who continues the work of redemption on earth. What use would be a house filled with gold were there no one to open its door? The priest holds the key to the treasures of heaven, and as he who opens the door, he is the steward of the good Lord, the administrator of his goods. The priest is not a priest for himself, he is a priest for you. So another point brought home by the hanging of Fanny Cranbush is the importance of the priest as an instrument of God's love. And the fourth and final point we'll consider today is something that we all know, perhaps we haven't sufficiently considered. An implication contained in the last words of Fanny Cranbush. But in order to draw this out, let's take a moment briefly to consider another aspect of love. We all know that to love, to really love somebody, is risky. Who can hurt us the most deeply? Those that we really love. To really love someone is to risk rejection, risk pain, risk being hurt. To love is at the same time to be vulnerable. So when we're in an authentically loving relationship, husband and wife, parent and child, two dear friends, priest and parishioner, we've allowed ourselves to be vulnerable. We've taken a risk of being hurt. Suppose that risk becomes a reality. Suppose we've been really hurt by a dear friend, a spouse, a child. We've all experienced that. At that point, what do we really hope for? We hope that the other party will make amends, don't we? Our wounded love cries out from the depths of our heart. It protests, I trusted you. I love you. What have you done? Don't you care? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you love me? Our wounded heart cries out to the other party to repair the damage. So what does that have to do with Fanny's last words? Quote, I am so happy, Father. Jesus knows that I am sorry for having hurt him, and I know that Jesus loves me. Close quote. Jesus knows that I'm sorry for having hurt him. Our sins hurt Jesus. One of the most astonishing, perhaps the most astonishing thing about God becoming a man is that he's allowed himself to be vulnerable. The Almighty God has allowed himself to be vulnerable, allowed himself to be wounded by his own creatures, and not just the wounding from the scourging and the nails, as horrific as those are, but the wounds of love. Everyone here that has ever been wounded by someone they love, take a moment and think of what our sins cost our Lord in the garden. Take a moment and think about the unbelievable pain, but remember the difference, the infinite difference between the sins of an ignorant and unbaptized Fanny Cranbush and our sins. We who by our baptism have actually received the spirit of adoption, we who by grace have actually become adopted members of the family of God, adopted brothers of Jesus Christ, adopted sons of the Heavenly Father, adopted sons of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Think of the infinite difference between the sins of a stranger to the household of God like Fanny and the sins of adopted children like you and I. 
And once we've pondered that reality, then turn and consider our Lord as He lays there, pressed down flat in the Garden of Gethsemane by the sins of the world, and think of His wounded love, crying out from the depths of the Sacred Heart, to you, or to I, I trusted you. I love you. I brought you into my family. I died for you. What have you done? Don't you care? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you love me? Fanny was sorry. Are we? Each one of us should ask himself, can I honestly say that Jesus knows that I'm sorry for having hurt him? Can I say that? What have I done to make amends for my sins? Have I made amends with God? Have I got serious about avoiding sin and the near occasion of sin? Have I definitively repented, made a firm purpose of amendment, made a good confession? So the final point brought home by the story of the hanging of Fanny Cranbush is the astonishing reality that our sins have hurt Jesus. That in the agony in the garden, from the very depths of his sacred heart, his wounded love cried out to each one of us, I trusted you. I love you. I brought you into my family. I died for you. What have you done? Don't you care? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you love me? That he allows us and wants us to make amends, to make reparation for our sins. Let's close. Every time we hear the line in the creed, we propranos homines et propranos saltum, descendete celis. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He came down from heaven. Let us think about the astonishing fact that God loves sinners like us. Every time we see a priest, let us think about these words of the Kyrie of ours. Without the priest, the passion and death of our Lord would be of no avail. It is the priest who continues the work of redemption on earth. What use would the house be filled with gold were there no one to open its door? The priest holds the key to the treasures of heaven. It is he who opens the door. He is the steward of the good Lord, the administrator of his goods. The priest is not a priest for himself, he is a priest for you. And when we see a priest or think of a priest, let's say a prayer for the man. And finally, let us pray that we get serious about making reparation for sin, about avoiding sin, the near occasion of sin, that every time we find ourselves tempted to sin, we might have the grace to hear ringing in our ears. Don't hurt Jesus. He loves you. He really loves you.